Hello, everybody. It is Kim Scott and Ernest Adams. Good afternoon, everyone. And Ernest has some big news for us. Ernest. I, I do have some big news. So, Kim, I am excited to share with you and all of our viewers and listeners that I will be moving to Michigan to become the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer for Ford Motor Company. That is amazing. That it is, is incredible. So amazing. And it is so amazing for so many different reasons. Ford is lucky to get you. Thank and you. Thank you. But it's not just Ford is lucky to get you. I actually believe that it is really important for the future of this country and the future of the world that Ford, yes. that Ford succeeds. I agree. Uh, I agree. And I don't think Ford can succeed unless they get unless they get what you're going there to lead right. You know, DEI is a is a really integral part, I believe, of any business transformation, because yeah. at the core of that transformation are the people. And um, so I'm really excited to step into this role and um, help the organization move forward uh, leaps and bounds as we think through how to become a more equitable organization. So uh, my husband and I are moving to Michigan this week and uh, we will begin working at Ford on March 6th. So, uh, so this has been a wild ride, Kim, over the last couple months. I am going to take a little hiatus uh, from our podcast, but uh, you know, never far from you uh, in, in thought partnership and, uh, and sparring as we've been doing so. Yes. Well, you know, I, I, for Kim Scott, it's sad, but, uh, <laughs> but the rest of the world is, is really going to benefit from this. So I'm thrilled for you, thrilled for Ford and really thrilled for the future of the world. In all seriousness, it's important that we get Thank this you. right. Thank you. Thank you. So very, all right. and you have already made the book Radical Respect so much better. <laughs> we were just talking before we started recording about how much our conversation last week helped me write about power. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I think, you know, looking at the rewrite that you wrote, I am super excited by it because I feel like it captures it speaks to everyone, no matter what your level is inside of organizations or really where you sit um, as in humanity. I think there's something for everyone to take away from that. So I'm really excited for everyone to read that uh, once it once it hits the stands. So thank you for uh, for being a voice of of change and a voice of 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 of, of constant respect, of radical respect. <laughs> well, thank, you. thank you for helping me find my voice. I think one yeah. of the issues with Just Work was that I lost my voice somehow along mm. the way. That happens. And so thank you very much for helping me find it again. It's been my pleasure. Excellent. Well, should we, uh, should we dig in today yeah. and talk a little bit more? Let's read about checks and balances. Okay. Uh, so, so where we left off last time, we said that good design, uh, there are going to be two design principles that we need to focus on in order to prevent harassment and discrimination. And those are checks yes. and balances and bias quantifiers. So let's start by reading about checks and balances. Great. A leader's job is to ensure that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It seems it should go without saying that belittling each part is not a good way to achieve that goal. But too often, managers attempt to gain power by minimizing and bullying the people who work for them. Most workplaces allow this by giving managers up and down the org chart unchecked authority to make decisions that have profound consequences for their employees. 
Traditionally, managers dole out or withhold resources. They decide who gets hired, fired, or promoted. They determine bonuses, who gets the plum assignments, and who gets stuck with the grunt work, and so on. When managers make all these decisions unilaterally, it is too risky for employees to challenge bias, prejudice, or bullying, let alone to report harassment or discrimination. So harassment and discrimination are more likely to happen. Poor decisions are made. Employees are robbed of their agencies. Managers are not held accountable. Results suffer, and so do employees. The answer is not to eliminate all hierarchy. Hierarchy is necessary for successful collaboration to coordinate the efforts of employees to help employees work better together. But when hierarchy comes with unchecked power, the predictable result is coercion. None of this is inevitable. It happens as a result of the choices leaders make about management systems and processes. You can bake checks and balances into your organizational organizational design, or you can design a system that creates many dictators. If you do the latter, the unchecked power you're giving managers makes discrimination and harassment, as well as failure, much more likely. It's worth repeating, if you don't design your management systems for justice, you're going to get systemic injustice and hurt your ability to achieve results. Much has been written about empowering employees, but there's something arrogant about that framing. It implies that employees are lacking in capacity to do great work and that the powerful leader must bestow skills upon them. When really the problem is a management bureaucracy which has robbed people of their innate capacity for work and growth. The goal of leadership is not to treat people as though they are lacking, but to recognize what they already have and to create systems that unleash their best efforts rather than robbing them of their agency. In other words, the most important thing leaders can do is stop disempowering employees by giving too much unilateral authority to managers. It's not your job as a leader to give people a voice. They already have a voice. Rather, it's your job to make sure their boss is not silencing them or punishing them for speaking up. It's your job as a leader to ensure managers are held accountable for soliciting criticism and rewarding the candor when they get it. Research explains the reasons limiting the power of individuals so that teamwork replaces old command and control structures is so important for good performance. Cohesive, empowered teams will outperform a collection of individuals on a wide range of tasks. High-functioning teams tend to make better decisions than high-functioning individuals. Teams where everyone speaks up perform better than teams dominated by a tyrannical manager or a superstar. Homogenous teams tend to make poorer decisions than their diverse counterparts do. When teamwork replaces command and control, better decisions get made. The best way to make sure managers at your company are not disempowering their employees, employees is to put in place checks and balances. By checks and balances, I mean management systems in which leaders are held accountable for doing their jobs well, rather than giving unilateral decision-making authority. This means that no one person in an organization, including its CEO, should be able to hire, fire, promote, or pay another person without oversight. The sections below will go into more detail about how exactly such management systems can operate.
If your organization is homogenous, checks and balances will not do enough to help you notice when bias and prejudice are skewing your management processes. In addition to checks and balances, you also need to proactively quantify the way that bias and prejudice may be skewing your processes. All right, we'll stop there before we jump into bias quantifiers. So what do you think? I think good stuff here. I love um, the the way you're talking about the management systems, right? I mean, it gives a real um, focus on not the people themselves, as we talked about last week, but really around kind of the the processes that are built. And that to me is, and, and when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, this is the equity component. Yes. Right. This is where you really have to dig in and you have to really make some difficult decisions as an organization. If you're serious about the work, you got to look at the systems in place. Yeah. Yeah. Because the because if if you set up a system where one person can take advantage of the system or where one person is gets unearned credit in the system. That's right. Who can blame that person for taking advantage, you know, for yeah, I mean, some exactly, things, but I'm not one of them, you know. Right. I mean, this is this is why the E was added over the yeah. last what five or six years, right? Because what we found doing the work was that the focus on diversity, who's in the room, the focus on inclusion, mm-hmm. you know, as Renee says, everyone being invited to dance. You then realize though that you still have this underlying of power yeah. <laughs> systems that yeah. have been built that no one's looking at. And yeah. that's really what what this what this talks about. I mean, I think the other thing that came to my mind as you were reading this is is I know Amy Edmondson is a friend of yours, and and you you yes. and her do some things together. Was really the work on psychological safety, right? And really thinking through that 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 ties in here because as you're talking about those systems that are in place, people should not be made to feel as if they don't have a voice. They yeah. should not be able, made to feel that they're not empowered, yeah. which. Amy speaks to a lot when she really speaks through what is psychological safety, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly right. And I also think that it is when someone has power over you, when someone can decide whether or not you get promoted. Yes. It's like who feels safe to that's challenge right. that person? Like that's it's right. not, in fact, it's it would be false to say it is safe. Yes, yes. Um, it's not. It's, it's not, it's not. The one thing I would add, Kim, as I, as I heard, you know, as I was, we were reading through that is if an organization is built with so many of these management processes mm-hmm. that have skewed power, it will take a command and control leader, yes. CEO to change it, to drive, to change it. Right. I mean, because that is where someone is going to have to say enough is enough. Yeah. We're going to drive towards a different culture. We're going to create different systems. And that has to typically be a CEO, a president, yeah. someone who has ultimate power to make a final decision that says, get on board or get out. Yeah. I, it, it either requires a, an enlightened CEO or it yes. requires a revolution. And let's, That's right. I'm putting my money <laughs> on the enlightened CEO. <laughs> well, but I will tell you, I've seen revolutions, revolutions come from board of directors. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. right. I, that's true. Right. And that's, and I mean, I've, I've been in a company where the board said enough is enough. Yeah. You know, we are, we are not seeing people in front of us who are diverse. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing the profits of the organization be where we need them to be. And so as a result, we're going to really push hard here 
for a different type of company culture, which I thought was fantastic to see that type of push coming from a board. You know, yeah, yeah. I will tell you about a time in my career where where these systems really were pretty good, and that mm-hmm. was when I was at Google. And I am not saying that Google is perfect. I want to be totally clear. <laughs> Google has made a bunch of bewildering, horrible decisions recently. <laughs> So, so uh, there are a lot of people who were not treated well by Google at all. Uh, so, yeah. so I don't want to, you know, I, I am sure that p- part of the reason why my experience at Google is because its systems were biased towards people with fancy degrees, which biased people, you know, which yes. has its own set of biases. So, so that, so, so I want to like lay that on the table. But when I, when I first got there, I sort of thought I had been hired because I had this reputation for having built great teams and I knew I I was able to hire great people. And then all of a sudden I got stuck in this hiring process and I wasn't able Mm -hmm. to just do what I wanted to do. (laughs) I wasn't Mm -hmm. able to make unilateral decisions. And that was I, it was at first very frustrating. And then Shona Brown, who who led business operations at Google and designed a lot of Google systems, explained to me, she said, look, you know, when a person has unilateral control, they make worse decisions than a team. And 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 bias creeps in more. And Pretend. so we're not gonna let you make these unilateral decisions. You have to participate in this process. And that was true for how people got hired. It was true for how people uh, promoted. were promoted. It was yes. true for your your ratings. You couldn't just give anyone in your organization a rating, a poor rating, because if- It had if to be calibrated. It had to be yeah, right. There, yes. there was calibration and there was a 360 process. And if the manager disagreed with everybody else, the manager had to explain themselves. Yes. Um, and, and that was really important. Like that, create you could not rely on traditional sources of power in order to get stuff done. You you really had to build relationships with people, and that created a much more dynamic, innovative, fun culture. But it had its own set of flaws. Well, so 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 I mean, it's interesting, Kim, right? To hear you say that the articulation of those processes are designed in a way that they are built to be able to create equity yeah. across an organization. But then lay on top of that the fact that there was still bias in the organization for whether it be degree, whether it be other things that allowed for those systems to still be eroded based off of that level of, of, of bias that existed. I mean, I think, you know, at Ralph Lauren, we did something very similar where we said, you know, particularly at senior levels, when we looked at the hiring process, mm-hmm. we had multiple leaders who were part of that interview slate yeah. and we defined that interview slate at the very beginning. And then we began to put in on board even an assessment process that allowed mm-hmm. us to have yet another data point in that process so that it was not um, one hiring manager making the final decision about their people without other people actively being involved in that. And I think it was a really great process. It was not, we did not implement it without challenge because it was so significantly different for people yeah. from where they had been. But I think that is part of what you're saying here as you think about checks and balances, it's not gonna be easy no, you are, because you're disrupting power. Yeah, and because what'll happen? I mean, what certainly happened at at Google, and I, I can't imagine it doesn't happen everywhere, is that there were certain leaders who were actually pretty powerful, mm-hmm. who claimed that the system disempowered them. 
Mm-hmm. Unless they yes. had unfettered power <laughs> that, that they were disempowered. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that, you know, it, it is really hard if you're the CEO uh, to to have people, the people who you're working most closely with, come to you and say, you're disempowering me with your yes. there, was a, there was a startup yes. that did very well that where one of the founders was very committed to these sorts of processes. And there were a lot of, of executives working for that founder who were furious mm-hmm. that they had to submit to these processes mm-hmm. and felt that they were being, you know, be, belittled. And it was, it was really hard for that founder to keep having, and it was like the same argument. It's like, for me, I can't stand it when people refer to women as girls. Uh, and yet I'm so tired of having that conversation. I too often <laughs> I let that go. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing with these processes for, for, this, for this founder. He was like, oh, if I have to defend this one more time, yeah. even though I'm sure that it's right, I, it, it just becomes, it's hard. It takes a lot of discipline. It, it, it is hard. That's where I think a little bit of the command and control is okay. You, yeah. you know, I mean, I think I think as we think through our leadership toolkits, to have a little bit of each, whether it's servant leader, whether it is collaborative leader, to have a little bit of each of these in our toolbox is really helpful, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it is really helpful, yeah. and I think it's really important that the that the, the that strong leader also have checks and balances. Yes, yes. You know, yes, yes. so I'm not saying you know I'm not saying throw away hierarchy. I think hierarchy is necessary, but it's, I mean, this is like, it's a founding principle of our government, right? Not, exactly. and it doesn't exactly. always work, the checks and balances, but it's, it's better. It sure is better than autocracy. Well, I mean, it's interesting, right? Cause if you think about any civilized society, there is some form of hierarchy built into those societies. It's how we as human learn how to interact with each other. Yeah. Um, through some, now some, you know, you th- look at the monarchy, that's an extreme of what yeah. that could look like. Um, but I guess I, I, mean, I was thinking of a question here, Kim, is there, is there a place at a time when there's too many management processes Yeah. that now that turn into bureaucracy? Yeah. That turn into bureaucracy instead yeah. of actually enabling, um, the system that we're talking about here, which is checks and balances. Yeah. You know, there was one, there was one person, there was one company where I was, I was uh, coaching the CEO and he and I talked a lot about creating process that didn't feel like process. Mm. You know, you have to constantly (laughs) scrape the barnacles off Mm -hmm. because bureaucracy has a way of running away with itself. It does. And uh, in fact, at Google, you know, I talked about this great, you know, performance review process. And, but at a certain point after I left, I was talking to someone and, and they, she said, Oh, it's procrastination <laughs> uh, season again. And there, there was yep. like a, a whole week every quarter where nobody could get any work done because it was like, that is wrong. Uh, uh, and so Constantly making sure that you're not adding things to the process without subtracting something else. Yeah, I think this is a wonderful place to really go back to what we're talking about here, which is democratizing power, right? And so as you're designing those processes, try storm them, test them out, bring a group of employees at all levels in the organization together, let them beat it up for a bit, put them in a room for two hours with that process, 
and then see what they come up with at the end of the day. Because I think that then gives you a really interesting point of view because yeah. sometimes we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes, you know, the higher you are in the organization, the farther removed you are from the actual culture of the company, right? Yeah. And yeah. so when you bring <laughs> bring employees in, let them and let them actually beat it up a little bit, I think you get a really you get some of the bureaucracy taken out of it. Yeah, yeah. You will. In fact, there there was there was a moment at Google when we took the bug tracking system mm. and and we said, now we're going to track management bugs. So anything about the management systems that you interact with or about management at this company that bugs you, write it down. And people could upvote it and downvote it. And, and we got some P0 bugs and we fixed them. Yeah. And yeah. that had a big impact. I mean, A, it made people happier. And B, it made the organization way more efficient. Because it turns out like one of the things that people hate more than anything else is to waste their time. That's right. That's right. And That's you right. know what? As a leader, you do not want your people wasting their time. You don't. You don't. And you also don't want leaders taking themselves too seriously, which is what you're talking yeah. about here ultimately, right? And and yeah. I think the ability to be able to listen to feedback about a process that you built is yeah. one of the most important leadership traits yes. that an inclusive leader can have. Yeah. Yeah. Important because otherwise people are going to figure out a way around the the yeah, process. Exactly. Uh, I remember exactly. I, one of one of the one time I was working at McKinsey and I was working at a steel mill and I was talking to them about putting talking to this this person who worked on a four person a foreman on the mill about about some new compensation system. Okay. And it was some clever McKinsey. <laughs> this guy <laughs> looks at me and he says, "Look." <laughs> you know, and I, I, and I always know. Okay, what's Arthur, coming next is yeah. <laughs> well, it's either going to be horrible or it's going to be great. You know, yes. it's going to be one or the other. And he says, "You put a system like that in place, and I have guys who can't write their names learning calculus right. to figure out how to screw me." It's <laughs> like, yep, that feels yep. like the truth. You know, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's one of the most beautiful things I've learned working in retail, working in manufacturing, is go talk to the frontline worker who yeah. who has more common sense yeah. about how to run some of these processes than sometimes many of the executives sitting in the boardroom do. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah there's, a great, there's a great company that does this called Joyous, mm. and and basically they they will uh, they, they solicit. It's a sort of a feedback solicitation tool. But, okay. but but it and it aggregates problems and mm -hmm. and lets people managers know what to fix. So they make sure that when people when people give feedback, something happens. Either yes. someone explains to them why it can't be fixed or it gets fixed. And there was like a really simple example, and this doesn't sound like a a, a DEI problem, but it is. I think in fact. So th there were a bunch of, they were working with the telecoms company and there were a bunch mm -hmm. of people who worked at the company who were going out fixing the lines, you know, like okay. guys okay. climbing yeah. up telephone poles. And there was one wrench that was never in the trucks. And so the guys would go out, they, when they saw that particular problem, they'd have to then go back and get the wrench and then go, you know, it was inefficient. Yeah. And, and they put the wrench in the trucks. In the truck. And everybody's happier. And you know what? They saved a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And it was, there's something about leadership 
when people get too see, they don't listen to, they don't understand how serious those kinds of problems are. And yeah, I yeah, think that putting right. checks and balances on management power and making sure that you're empowering people to complain and say, hey, this is, not only is this annoying, it's important to get it fixed. I agree. You know, I, Dan or her, we, it was a culture of Kaizen. Mm-hmm. And it's do, doing exactly what we're talking about, which is, you know, there were some Kaizen principles, which I thought were very brilliant. And when I took on diversity at Danaher, it was really interesting to me because the culture of Kaizen is a culture that drives inclusiveness. Yes. Because one, one, of, the, one of the core principles of Kaizen that would say was you check your title at the door. Yes. So when you walk into the Kaizen, everyone's voice matters just as much as everyone else. Right. Yeah. So there is no level, no hierarchy. So this is a place where, and then secondly, when you think about it and you say, you want everyone to be able to say there is no wrong answer and there's nothing that can't be questioned. Yes. Right. And you create yeah. that environment, right? That is, that is the ultimate inclusion tool, but it's also the tool that really drives checks and balances. Yeah. 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 So important. So important. So important. But, but what I also know about that, Kim is in a continuous improvement culture, really easy to not easy, but that makes a lot of sense when a company is trying to transition into more of a continuous improvement culture. So many growing pains that go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and helping, helping leaders understand that they're going to win. Like when they win, you win, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's not a zero sum game. We're, we're growing the, we're growing the pie. That's right. That's right. But I think, I think checks and balances are great. And it looks, I think from this conversation, hopefully people are hearing that checks and balances come in many different forms. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I know that you are a busy man right now. So I want to thank you. (laughs) I want to thank you. I know you got a lot going on. Uh, yeah, just a bit of a move. Yeah, I wish you a, a safe move. Be be gentle you. on yourself as you move. Like, make Thank sure you, to Kim. feed yourself, you know. Yeah. Uh, take care of yourself. It's stressful, a move. It is. It is. It is. Well, well. again, thank you for, you know, all the time that we've spent together. This has been fantastic. And uh, I hope all our listeners have gotten some things, some little nuggets out, out of this as they uh, as they've listened to our podcast series. I know, you know, what this looks like in the future, we're continuing to talk about, but I am uh, I, I'm so thankful to you for this opportunity and so thankful for our, to our listeners for, for tuning in. So. Well, thank you, Ernest, for for helping me find my voice and 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 you know, it, it people don't understand. It's fun to talk about this stuff, and it's really yeah. fun to talk about these issues with you. So, thank you so much. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Kev. Take care. All right. Talk. Bye bye. <laughs>